0: great well good evening i'll add my welcome to vicky's it's great to be here with you even on this hot sunday it's great to be worshiping with you so thanks for joining us um, and we are coming to the end of our series at the moment which is called stories to tell um, so hopefully you've been enjoying that we start a new one next sunday but um, we're going to finish that this week um, and we're looking at salt and light so before we kick off i'm just going to pray that's all right Yeah, Father God, thank you so much that your word is packed full of incredible stories, life-changing stories that show us more of you and more of ourselves and how we can live to be more like you. And I just pray now that as we, as we open this story, one that's perhaps quite familiar to us, that you would speak to us in a fresh way, that our hearts will be ready to hear the new slant that you might have to teach us on this story this evening. Amen. So if you want to uh, join me with your Bibles, turn them on or open them, whichever is your preference, Um, to Matthew 5, we're going to look at verses 13 to 16, which is titled Salt and Light. So Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. It says, this is Jesus speaking, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? So, you are the salt of the earth, is where we're going to start this evening. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, this steak looks quite good, doesn't it? uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm uh, going on a car journey straight after tonight, so I can't eat it, so I'm going to sell it to the highest bidder when we're done. But this steak, um, like all food, once it's um, been, been prepared starts to go off and decay, starts to go bad. And the steak itself cannot add more steak to itself to stop itself from going off, from decaying. It needs something external to itself to slow down the decaying process or the process of it going bad. It needs salt. And as we add salt to the steak, the external element, that that preserves it and it stops it from going off. It keeps it longer, it stops it from decaying quite as fast as it would have done without the salt. Now the earth is exactly the same as this stake. Due to the fallen nature of of the earth, the earth is going on a social decline. We know that the Bible teaches that, that the world is declining because of its fallen nature. And in the same way, the world needs something external to society to slow down the social decaying process that this world is in that we see. It needs something external to itself. Society itself cannot fix itself. It needs salt. It needs the the external salt. You are the salt of the earth. We are called as a generation of God's children to slow down the decaying process of society. That is our mandate given to us from God. We are citizens of heaven, we are not citizens of this earth, so it's our our external mandate to come in and to slow down the decaying process. And being salt of the earth is all about our demeanor. Being salt of the earth is about our demeanor. We're called to have a heavenly demeanor that's counter to the things of this world, When people people encounter us, they they should encounter our saltiness. They should encounter our difference. When they hang out with us, when they're our friends, when they see us, they should see something different about us that goes, that's not of this world, that's not of this earth, that's something different that I want to grab hold of. They should taste our saltiness because we should stay salty. We need to stay salty. Being salt of the earth means that people can't help but see the grace and kindness and love flow out of us into the world around us. Now, rabbis actually use the term salty to describe wisdom when they speak. Um, And so being salt of the earth actually means speaking heavenly wisdom into people's lives and situations because that term salty is actually used um, to describe wisdom. So that when we encounter people and we see their lives and their circumstances, as salt of the earth, we could speak heavenly wisdom into their circumstances and their situations, which could change that for them. Being salt of the earth would mean that people would look upon us and look to us for an answer to their problems because we have that heavenly perspective, where that external thing, that salt, that external element that can come into their lives and slow down the process of the hurt that they might be experiencing. But being salt of the earth also comes with a bit of a warning, comes with a warning. The Greek word for lost its taste, which we see in the Bible when it says, when Jesus says, if salt loses its saltiness. The Greek word for lost its taste is also the same word for foolish. So there's a challenge there from Jesus that if, if we're losing our saltiness, if we're losing our taste, then we're becoming foolish. And as, as I was preparing for this talk, I was chatting to lots of people about what it means to, to potentially not be salty anymore. And, it's unbelievable how many people said to me, oh, well, salt can't lose its saltiness, it's just salt, it's, it's what it is. And I was like, hmm, you might be right, actually. What, what is that about? How can Jesus tell us that salt can lose its saltiness? Because you're right, this is just salt, and it, it can't become any less salty. But actually, I did a bit of research, and the salt that Jesus is referring to is the salt, the salt that they had in biblical times, which was actually more of a powder. And this powder actually became really easily contaminated, And when it became contaminated from something external to itself, then potentially it lost its saltiness and therefore became useless. Um, But sometimes it actually became quite dangerous to use. That struck me quite powerfully and I thought, wow, Jesus is teaching us and telling us that actually we need to be careful because we can lose our saltiness because we can be contaminated by the things of the earth. And when we do that, then we are worth nothing more than to be trampled on it says in the passage. And potentially even we could become dangerous for the kingdom rather than do good for the kingdom because we can lose our saltiness. And as I, as I looked into that a little bit more, I noticed that that could be what we fall into sometimes, that we can become contaminated and we can lose our distinctiveness, we can lose that kingdomness about us that people see. And so I wanted to ask ourselves today, what could our contamination be? What could be that external thing that can contaminate us and stop us from being salty? Is it spending too much time on social media and we get drawn into the conversations that's going on there that we know aren't good for us? Or is it that we spend too long watching a TV program that doesn't represent kingdom values and that that seeps into our lives and those, those things that we see affect us because we surround ourselves by that stuff? Or is it it a group of friends that we hang out with that we know aren't really that great for us, and bit by bit, time after time, we see ourselves changing because we hang around with those people? Or maybe uh, in the classroom at school or um, in the staff room, there's people that just speak negatively of people all the time, and and too quickly we find ourselves falling into that trap because we become contaminated and we lose our saltiness. But the good news is, is that the salt that we have today has been refined. It's been refined which means that it can't lose its saltiness. It's been refined which stops that potential element of it becoming less salty. And we have Jesus to refine us so we can go back to the foot of the cross whenever we feel contaminated and we can be refined. We can be refined so that we can regain our saltiness and so that we can go back out into the world to to stop that slowly gradual decaying process of society. So there's a warning there to say, be careful, don't lose your saltiness. But a reminder that actually we can come to Jesus and we can be refined to regain our saltiness. Because we need to stay salty. It's so important that we stay salty. Let's look at the next bit of the passage. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under its bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, being salt is about our demeanor. It's about how we act, what we use. Being light is about our deeds. We see there Jesus talking about letting our deeds shine. So being light is about our deeds. And I wonder, if has anyone ever woken up in a place in the middle of the night, and you've needed to, I don't know, go and get a drink or go use the, t- the toilet. And you, you do that thing where it's pitch black and you're like running around the room and you're trying to find the light switch and it takes you a bit of time, but eventually you, f- you find the light switch and you turn it on. And then maybe the next night you do it again and it takes you a little bit longer, but you find it. And then eventually, after a period of time, you just find it and you just wake up and you just boom. Yeah, I know where the light is, I can get there in the darkness, I can just touch it and it's fine. We should be like that to our friends around us. When our friends wake up in a place of darkness and they need to find light, they might, they might stumble around for a little bit, but we can be the light switch and we can go, hey, come to me, let me speak light into your life, into your situation. And then what will happen is eventually, over a period of time, they will learn that habit. They will know where they can go to to find light. They will come to us and they will see light as we speak that into their situation and in their lives. And then hopefully, eventually, after they do that for so long, they'll realize that the source of our light is not from within us, it's from Jesus, and and that will help us lead people into the kingdom. Hopefully that will really help us share what it means to be light. And there's a a Wren Collective song called The Joy of the Lord, and I was listening to it the other day, and I just thought it it just really sums up what, what we're looking at here in terms of shining bright. The chorus goes like this. Don't worry, I'm not gonna sing. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I'll sing, sorry, in the darkness I'll dance, in the shadows I'll sing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I'll dance, in the shadows I'll sing. That is the people that we are called to be. No matter what our circumstance or situation, in the darkness we will dance and in the shadows we will sing. Because of the joy that we have, the joy that we know, But it's more of a question of not even do we dance in the darkness and do we sing in the shadows, but how much do we shine? How brightly do we shine? Do we shine on a little bit of a dim light? Or do we shine so bright? Do we shine as bright as we possibly can? Fortunately, the sunlight is ruining my illustration a little bit. But but how bright do we shine? Do we shine? in a way that truly reflects the freedom and the salvation that we have received through Jesus? Or do we sometimes shine a little bit dimly, not quite realizing or not quite letting our actions know just how much we've received, just how much we've been saved? You know, when Jesus healed Lazarus, he came out of the tomb and remained in his, um, in his cloth, in his, um, what are they called? I've got it written down. What's the word? Um, in his like bindings, whatever it was. Um, and huh? grave. grave clothes, yes. He remained, he, remained, he remained bound up by his grave clothes. And Jesus had to say, unbind this man. So there was, there was a moment when Lazarus stood there in the light, but not acting as if he was standing in the light. He wasn't shining his light. He remained bound up. And Jesus had to say, unbind this man, let him shine, let him dance in the shadows, let him sing. And I wonder if that's how we can find ourselves. Do we sometimes allow the world to bind us up so that our our light just shines a little bit dim and then we need to just remind ourselves to shine bright? We need to shine bright. We need to remind ourselves that we're no longer bound and that we can shine because we're all attached to a dimmer. And we need to just adjust that dimmer. Just allow ourselves to keep shining bright. And secondly, Jesus says in this passage, he says, do not put your lamp on a, on a bowl. Instead, put it on its stand. Put it, Place it on its stand. And the message version actually says, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that you have been put there, shine. I'm putting you on a lampstand. Now that you have been put there, shine. We've already been placed on a lampstand. Do you notice how Jesus doesn't say, oh, just go off for a few days, maybe a few years, if you're going to take a really long time about it, pray, pray lots and think about where you're going to shine and think about what that's going to look like and who it's going to be for and how you're going to do it. He doesn't say, go off and find your big calling and then, then soon you'll realize what that looks like so that you can shine. He says, I have placed you on a lampstand, so shine. Each and every one of us has been placed exactly where we are so that we can shine. And potentially in a world that shows us that we need to keep looking on to the next thing or the next goal or the next house. We can say to ourselves, oh, it's not my time to shine just yet because I just need to sort this bit out first or I need to sort the other bit out or maybe when we get a new house, then we can shine to our neighbors because we've lived here a little bit too long now and it'd be a bit weird if we suddenly started to do that or maybe when I get a new job, then that will be the place when I can shine and I can be Jesus to people. Or maybe when I move schools and get a new group of friends and that's when I can be in my place where I shine. No, Jesus says, I've placed you on your lampstand, so shine. Shine where you are. You have already been placed there. You've already been placed there. Shine, and shine bright. So you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We need to remain salty and we need to shine bright. Being salt and light is less about what we do but more about who we are. We are salt and light. It's less about what we do, it's more about who we are. Just as Jesus was speaking to the Israelites when he, um, when he read this story to them, the people of Israel were called to be salt and light, but they weren't acting in that way. They weren't living that out. So he said, stop, wait a minute. You need to realize that you're called to be these people. You need to be salt and light because that's who you are called to be. That's who you are. But it's not who you're being right now. So it's about who we are. It means that we see the world differently because we are defined by our destiny, not by our past. We're defined by our destiny because we know that we have eternal life coming. So that means that the things of our past don't hinder us back. So being salt and light allows us to speak that and see that into our lives and into the lives of others. We've been called to be who we are. You are the salt of the earth. You're called to preserve the earth, to bring heaven's view into a hurting world. What will our demeanor say about us in our everyday lives? What will our demeanor say about us In an age where social media allows us to quite easily hide behind a screen and complain and criticize and say things about people that we would never dare say to their face, will we just join in, or will Trinity Shelton be known as a place where people see the goodness in people and they speak life and light and encouragement into people's lives, whether in their face or on social media? When our friends and colleagues look down on other people and compare each other will we just go along with it will we nod or will we actually agree or will Trinity Cheltenham be a place that loves people beyond any situation that they're in and accepts them and welcomes them into their friendship in a world where um where the media tells us that we all need to be the same that everyone needs to conform and we need to be accessible to everybody and everything needs to be the same and we've got this magazine picture that tells us how to live our lives will we just conform to society or will Trinity Cheltenham hold true to the things of the kingdom, to kingdom values and strongly outlive what we actually believe you are the light of the world you are called to shine darkness shine light into darkness to be the light of Jesus you can, you can shine light into darkness and darkness disappears. You can't put darkness over the top of light. And that's what we're called to do, to shine, to shine bright into darkness. So what, what will our deeds say about us? What will our deeds say about us in our everyday life? In a middle-class town that's filled with flash cars and more coffee shops per square foot than anywhere else outside of London, Will we just conform and treat ourselves to more things, one after another after another? Or will Trinity Cheltenham be known as a place that sacrifices its treasure to serve the poor because we want to shine light into people's darkness? In times where stories of refugees and slaves hit our newspapers day after day, will we join with the rest of the world and just shrug our shoulders and just go, that's the world that we live in, it's unfortunate. Or will Trinity Cheltenham be a place that stands up for that, that stands up and speaks out for the oppressed and prays for them and holds them up? And in a time where people experience so much pain and hurt and life can be really difficult, will we, will we allow the fast-pacedness of life to just drag us on and just say, sorry, I haven't got time for that? Or will Trinity Cheltenham be a place where we stop and we make time for everybody? And we encounter people in their pain and we help them to shine light into their circumstance and we help them see how they can move forward. You see, we make a difference not by being identical but by, by being distinctively different. Just like the salt was different on the steak, and just like the light is different to darkness, we do not make a difference and we will not make a difference in this world by being the same as everybody else around us. We make a difference by being distinctively different, by having heaven's solution and heaven's answer to all that we see. We need to remain salty and keep shining. If there's one thing to remember from today, that's what I want us to take away. Remain salty and keep shining. So we're going to pray. So if you want to join me and stand, We're just going to make some space, as we always do, to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do, where he wants to lead us, what he wants to do. Jesus, we thank you so much for your teachings. Thank you for the identity that you have given us, for the incredible honor that you have called us to be salt and light. Thank you that you say that you are the light of the world, but that you also say that we are the light of the world. What an honor and what a privilege. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would just come now and just speak to us. Would your gentle whisper begin to show us where we might be more salty and where we might be shining more brightly.